Today is one of the most joyful Sundays of the church year, All Saints Sunday. And it is a day in which we actually celebrate a number of different things all rolled into one. Of course, just a few days ago was Halloween, which is the celebration of the Eve of All Hallows or All Saints, which is November 1st, the day in which we commemorate the saints triumphant in heaven who sing the praises of God and worship him day and night and from whom we find support and love in this great communion, this great cloud of witnesses of which we are a part. And then on November 2nd, we commemorate all souls or the day of all the faithful departed. And indeed, yesterday was especially poignant as we uh, laid one of our beloved community members to rest on that special feast day of the church, in which we pray for them in their journey as they go from light to light, from strength to strength, as the prayer book says, in the perfect service of God in his heavenly kingdom. And we pray for them as they enter into a new light and a new understanding that we can't even begin to fathom. And so what happens is that uh, on a regular church Sunday, we sort of roll those two ideas into one. They're both distinct, yet complementary. But uh, so we think about the saints with a capital S and the saints with a small s. And if you look around our church, you can see representations of a number of different saints. Some of our beautiful windows are more general in in theme, but we have, of course, St. John is... uh, over there, we have St. Elizabeth. Back in the back there, we have St. John the Baptist and the child Jesus in one of the paintings here. So you can look around and find any number of different saints in our church. And this, this is to remind us, to visually remind us that it's not just a beautiful window or a beautiful painting or sculpture, but that we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. And we are to be encouraged by their deeds and their lives in the past, which is why we continue to celebrate them and and preach about them and tell about their their wonderful works. But we're also to be inspired to do good in our own time. And we just sang one of the most delightful hymns, I think, in the entire Episcopal hymnal, the I, I Sing a Song of the Saints of God. And I didn't grow up singing this song. And I remember my first All Saints Sunday in an Episcopal church, and this song came up. And I just, I giggled because it was just such a joyful a joyful song, and naming all the different types of people who, who are saints. And God help me, I want to be one too. And so how do we do this? We, we are supposed to go out into the world and engage with the world. And we heard a little bit, I think, that is helpful from, from the prophet Isaiah today. When God is just thoroughly disgusted with the people of Sodom and Gomorrah because they're carrying on doing all the things they shouldn't be doing and yet having these fantastical uh, liturgical celebrations, these huge uh, offerings of livestock, these, you know, the fatted calves, the goats, the lambs, the rams, the bulls, all of this, and new moons and Sabbath and calling of convocation. So they were doing all the things sort of they were going through the motions, but it was not in their hearts. They were just going through the motions. And so what God says to them is, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your doings from before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, and plead for the widow. 
Come now, and this is one of the most, uh, it, an interesting passage because it's, this is unique to the Judeo-Christian experience is that we have this sort of dialogue with God where God says, come now, let us argue it out. Says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be like snow. And though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. So God who created us, of course, knows our human nature. He knows our sinfulness and wants us calls us over and over again to a new life of, of love and good works and reconciliation and peace and all those things that he wants for us. But he knows sometimes we might have to argue it out because we are stubborn, because we can be prideful, because we can be willful. Even though when we know right in front of us what we're supposed to be doing, it's painful to do it because it might uh, injure our own fragile egos. But God is trying to remind us what is true and what is eternal, and that's what really matters. And so then we also have the story today of Zacchaeus. And you may remember from Sunday school, the little ditty we would sing, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And uh, when we travel to the Holy Land in March, uh, we will go to Jericho, this ancient city, And there in Jericho, of course, is a sycamore tree, which is said to be uh, on the site of that original sycamore tree. Now, of course, we don't know if that's the tree or an offspring of that tree or what. It's It's quite old and gnarled and lots of different branches, and there's a fence around it. But people come from all over the world to see this tree, this tree where the story goes Zacchaeus, the tax collector, climbed up because he, too, wanted to get a glimpse of Jesus. Even though he knew he was sinful, even though he was reviled by the community, he wanted to see what was going on and just get a look. He didn't really want anything from Jesus, but that's the thing. When we, when we encounter Jesus, he changes our lives. And so Zacchaeus is up in this tree. No one is even looking up in the tree. They're all focused on what's going on in the street. But Jesus looks up in the tree. Remember what he says at the end of that passage. The Son of Man came to seek out and save the lost. So he sought out Zacchaeus up in that tree and told him to come down, for I am going to your house today. And that encounter with Jesus changed his heart. He wanted to... From that point, he wanted to be generous instead of stingy. He wanted to give half his possessions to the poor. And he wanted to make up for the wrongs he had done to other people. In other words, he wanted to be reconciled through Christ to others by paying them back anything that he had defrauded from them. And so that life was changed. And so that's why this saint of God that we keep talking about today was a a flawed, sinful, greedy man who just wanted to get a glimpse of Jesus, but in doing so, unknowingly, had his whole life changed, had his whole uh, outlook reoriented to what God would have him do. And so we have a lot of work to do as the saints of God here and now living on the earth. We are what is called the church militant. That's a term that people don't like to use too much these days. But it just means that we are here on this earth and we're active. And we are fighting the good fight for God. And we are spreading the good news of the gospel. We are doing those things that God told 
the people of Sodom and Gomorrah to do back in that reading from Isaiah. And we must always be explaining ourselves, which I oftentimes, it's really one of my pet peeves. I hate explaining over and over and over again, but this is what you have to do as, as a soldier of God, as a, as a saint of God, because unfortunately, a lot of the people who uh, claim the name of Jesus and the, the, the title of Christian uh, are oftentimes very loud and oftentimes uh, spreading a message, I think, that would not be the message that Jesus spreads. And so many people around the world, and especially in our country, uh, have a, a sort of a, a bad taste in their mouth, if you will, over Christianity. And so it's our job to show them that, no, 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 this is not how we are. We are loving. We really are loving. We really do welcome you. We really do uh, want you to come and, and be a part of us and, and join us in the body of Christ. And, uh, you know, it's just like uh, that last week I was sitting in my, uh, my Chinese class and my we have these desks, that, you know, two people at a desk, and I, the teacher said, now turn to your partner, and we had just learned how to say what we do for a living, and I can't remember it. It was a week ago now, <laughs> but I'll, I'll look it up, and if you really want to know, I'll tell you, but uh, I said to Tyler, my partner next to me, uh, I am an Episcopal priest, and he just looked at me, and he said, what's that? And I thought, oh, Okay. I've got to explain it, but we're in class, and I've got to... So I have my sort of uh, my, my soundbite ex- explanation. I have my elevator pitch honed uh, to a T, and then there's the, the longer explanation that I give to people. But it's important because people just don't know. We can't assume anymore that people know what church is about. We can't even assume that people know the Lord's Prayer, uh, which is one of the reasons why I'm, I'm very keen to teach it to the children in our preschool but we just can't assume. And so we, as, as God's workers in the vineyard, as the saints here on earth, our job is to go out into that field. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, says our Lord. And so we are those workers. We are the hands and the feet. And it's our job to spread the love of God, to spread his reconciling touch, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to fight oppression, and to be the saints on earth. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.